Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV, your source for all things Americana and Roots music. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive, on-demand content, or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Hey, I'm Isaac Erickson, host of 11 on Diddy TV. Thanks for checking out our podcast. I'm here to help introduce our guest, Trey Bird. Our program director, Sam Shansky, caught up with Trey over a video call to discuss his album, Caught It From The Rye, which is out now on Oh Boy Records. It's a wholehearted musical experience with cryptic lyrics and existential folk snapshots that only an independent spirit like Trey could conjure. We think he's an artist you need to know. So we're happy you're here. Let's listen in. So yeah, man, let's just, uh, let's dive in here. Um, happy to be talking with Trey Burt, uh, author of Caught It From The Rye, out now on Oh Boy Records. How are you today, Trey? Good as ever. Good as ever. Good as ever. How are you? I'm doing fine, man. I'm uh, just happy to be talking with you and uh, want to hear more about this album. I, uh, I realize that it's not exactly a new album. It's, um, it was put out first as a sort of a sampling of songs that you cut. Was it uh, in Australia first? You were recording songs and uh, decided to just put them out there and see what happened and then... Um, caught the year of oh boy records and and jody over there i I was writing those songs in australia um and then when i came back to california i think it was a little less than a year after that um i went to go recording with my friend in in los angeles and yeah then i then i just kind of put it out on my own uh via social media and didn't expect anything from it to happen you know um i've released self-recordings before and uh before that they were they were um i call them uh, voice memo demos I, I would just open the the little voice memo app on my phone and record songs and they sounded good enough for me so i would just release them untouched from from my phone so recording caught it from the right in the studio that was my first time kind of recording in a studio pretty much and uh, I treated it the same that I treated my other releases, the voice memo demos, and just kind of put it up for people to, to you know, pick pick around on. Um, and you know, I guess you can never really tell. That's 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 my excitement from it is you can't tell who's going to be listening to it, um, and it's not really worth thinking about at the same time. So I'm glad I'm glad uh, folks like Jody was tuning in. Yeah, it's mind blowing. You cut the record in in Los Angeles, right? Um, what was that time like? You know, being down there it took a couple of weeks, didn't it? Yeah, it took a couple of weeks because I live in Sacramento, um, and I didn't really have that much money. I was still busking for my income at that time, so mostly it took the amount of time that it did because I was, uh, you know, trying to survive by my own means in Sacramento um, and recording in Los Angeles it was cool it was cool one night I had to sleep in a bush um, the night before because uh, uh, my uh, pr- producer who's recording it and the engineer we got our wires crossed and he, he wasn't going to be in LA till the next day and uh, 
my phone died and I classically forgot my phone charger and uh, I had no money in my bank account. So, yeah, I mean, um, I kind of made friends with these musicians in a jazz bar in Silver Lake and I was just kind of watching them for hours and uh, and then we kind of jammed afterwards at, at, the, at, a, at a little after party. And then they told me, after I asked if I could sleep on their couch in, in classic true to LA form, they just kind of said, we don't really know who you are. Uh, and I was like, what are you talking about? I spent the whole night with you guys. So I just slept in a bush and it was warm and great. It's fine. I woke up and met up with my producer and LA was LA. And you've lived around, you know, um, spent time at least in different places. Sacramento sounds like you grew up there, but, um, you know, you've traveled a lot. Um, sounds like you went to Portland, Oregon, right? And, uh, then to Australia. And, um, I'm curious about, you know, the time spent in those places and how they, played a role in this album. You said you were writing while in Australia. Um, what, yeah. what, what was it about the headspace down there that um, fueled these songs? I guess I'll preface it by saying there was um, tumultuous activities going on in the States at that time. And uh, you had this sort of distance from that, which was, which was both, I guess, good and bad. Uh, good in the sense where... I've never been removed from the goings-on of uh, the U.S. in in such a way. So that was kind of a trip. That's interesting. Uh, Yeah, I opened up this new compartment in my my headspace I didn't really uh, think about. And bad in the sense that um, I really wanted to be part of it. I felt like I was kind of uh, hiding uh, or kind of, you know, omitting responsibility by being down there uh i don't know and also i was going through a breakup in in melbourne when i was living here so that was a time and a half and i guess if you put all those things together it creates this sort of uh combustible energy that makes sense there's a lot of themes of existentialism and um that comes through on the album. Um, but some of these songs existed before as well. You'd put them out um, on a previous album, right? Like uh, a f- few of the tracks. So it's kind of yeah. a combination of things happening. Right. Yeah, because I wrote, caught it from the Riley song. I wrote that in in Portland. I was, I was living in my car at that time. Feeling work working as a maintenance technician, and I like that job a lot. That was probably I've had a lot of odd jobs throughout the mm-hmm. years. That's my favorite one because I had my own office. <clears throat> I could go to was a well, it was a janitor's closet office, and uh, if you're not fixing anything up around the property, I would just go up to the roof and bring my guitar and you know pull a spliff and bring my little notebook and. Uh, and write some songs. So, yeah, that's where uh, Caught It From the Rye and uh, Moth's Crossing, I believe, came from. I saw you did sort of like a, um, a collaboration with Jam in the Van recently, and uh, part of the deal was like people had to talk about one of their favorite songs from the album in order to like win a signed copy of the album. And I was fascinated by how split the responses were, sort of between 
um, Moth's Crossing. I mean, really, like I, I was looking for a pattern. Okay, which song is like jumping out to people the most here? And there really wasn't. It's like the whole album speaks to people in different ways, like from uh, a, a more of a love song kind of approach. And then you have more people that resonate with, um, you know, um, you know, social justice and racial themes and, and really uh, kind of you're reaching a variety of people. Um, what is it like? I noticed a lot of um, people commenting tended to be um, younger white people, you know, and I was like, what is it like to have put these songs out there and then the folks who are engaging, at least on a social media level, and it's hard to judge, but I mean, to see the folks that are like, oh, this song speaks to me, you know, and, and for you on the other end, I'm, I'm curious what that's like, you know? It's funny. I was just last night, I stumbled upon this clip of, uh, of Jeff Tweedy with uh, JPEG Mafia and Hannibal Burris, And Jeff was, was explaining to JPEG that uh, Hannibal had written this joke about uh, Jeff on, in, uh, on 30 Rock. And, and JPEG asked him what the joke was. And Hannibal said that, uh, what was it? Uh, Queen Latifah on 30 Rock said, something is more whiter than a Wilco concert. <laughs> and Jeff was kind of chuckling. And then Hannibal said, to be fair, my concerts are pretty white too. And then Jeff said, yeah, I guess all concerts are pretty pretty white, you know. So that's that's funny. I I guess that um when you said when you said uh most of them are, you know, white people in social media commenting. I guess that um it's just the way it goes. But for me personally, uh I'm I'm it's 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 crazy, you know. I don't really think about it too much. But yeah. when I do, um I don't know. It's you can't really imagine what goes on in other people's heads, how they respond or takes to songs. Or yeah, that's fair. Uh, it's kind of like a you can't really get too much too involved in that side of things. It's really great. It's a great feeling, though. You know, I feel I feel welcomed in a, in a sense. I think a lot of um, you know folks who are tuned into Americana and roots music are trying to figure out how this all works and. Um, it's an amazing place for inclusion and, and diversity. It really is like, it's kind of a all people are welcome kind of space. And I love it for that reason. Um, but I'm, I'm loving even more seeing um, people of color coming together. Like you have um, working with Layla McCullough and um, working with Allison and um, who else was involved? You put out a song, um, under, yeah. under the devil's knee and this is like a direct message like you're really you're you write in a way on your on your album on caught it in the right like caught it from the right that's much more sort of cryptic you know what i mean but this this song that you've put out is very specific well some, something very specific happened now so right. uh, and i i had a pretty um strong opinion about it and you can't really afford to be too cryptic when you're talking about something like that. You know, if you want someone to understand what you're saying immediately. Right. Um, but yeah, good point. Yeah, Caught It From The Rise is, is pretty cryptic. Um, I guess what I'm, yeah. I'm curious, like, you went from living, you know, in Australia for a bit and kind of being outside of it. And you came back with this, like, um, 
maybe a desire to get more engaged and, and like put your piece out there. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, you're and I, right. I really respect it. And it's, it's like a song that I think will um, stand the test of time and speak to people beyond where it even has right now. And more people need to hear that song. Um, in fact, um, you took part recently in um, sort of like an online discussion with um, folks at Harvard. And I, I was curious if you could um, tell viewers about that um, and what that was like. Uh, yeah, that was, that was uh, like I said, you never know who's listening to your songs on the internet uh, or in, in the world in general. It's a really big place. Um, and uh, someone from the Harvard Kennedy School, he was a graduate, had heard Undead God of War from Caught It From The Rye. And um, he sent me a message saying that he listens to that song more than he should. Um, and that he'd love to have me in a, a conversation um, with Cornell West. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that was, Cornell West has been a huge hero to me, uh, especially as a, a modern thinker. Um, and I felt like I really had nothing to say. You know, I'm not like an, an activist by any means. I'm just a, uh, a concerned citizen. So it was intimidating being invited to be a part of um, like a academic discussion. But, uh, you know, I'm honored. Yeah. It's weird online to it was an online as you know all all of these um, interactions are taking place on Zoom or concerts online concerts and things like that. So it was this further kind of removal from the thing, but nonetheless, it was it was wild. With, with uh, under the devil's knee, with that song, it's kind of the most traditional folk song that you've put out, and um, I find that to be sort of like you're taking this this well i'm just curious why that is you know like it's it's so drawing from that like uh much more traditional folk kind of styling to tell this really important message um how did you choose to go that direction i didn't i didn't i didn't really choose anything when i was writing that it was it was more of i knew what i wanted to say and uh, tra traditional folk music is as popular and as important to us as it is because because of its um, its design for delivering a, a message so efficiently. You know, um, you could go back to Woody Guthrie and uh, his Dust Bowl ballads or uh, Mississippi John Hurd, and um, it's just such an effective vehicle and. The stuff I write doesn't always reflect the things I listen to. I listen to um, a lot of traditional folk music from time to time. You know, I take breaks, but um, so I guess that 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 sound is very much embedded in me, and it chose to come out with that song. You know, I was a little surprised too. I don't really write that traditionally, uh, but when it came out, it it, it was. Um, I don't know. It's almost more me than any other song. I, I think it's 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 uh, more of myself than any other song. 
I guess in a different way. I think that comes through in the recording and the video and everything surrounding it. The 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 words you've put out there on social media about it and everything. I think there's a um, a real sense of conviction. So um, it's working and that's a good thing, you know. So back to the album itself. I've listened to, you know, you describe the story of how it caught the ear of of Jody at Oh Boy Records and everything. And uh, basically, you said that you sent him the tracks and there was a lot happening at that time with um, John Prine's health and uh, the world at large and everything. And so there was this period of time. um, I'm not sure exactly how long you said, but was it like two months or a month where you didn't really hear back. Um, I want to focus in on that time period of like the waiting period of, of, of having sent it to them and then not really knowing where this was going and what was going through your head at that time. I think it was more like four months or maybe from the time we first talked to when, you know, um, we, we signed the deal. I, I think it was more like five months. Um, yeah, well, you know, we he responded right away. Well, he he uh, you know, approached me in the in my inbox and Instagram it was the other inbox and uh I didn't check that for for a good minute and when I saw that message, you know, I felt like a damn fool. <laughs> uh, and it was just him saying that he liked the record uh and, and you know, I was I was blown away by that fact that 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 Jody has heard it, uh, and so I just said, "Well, you know, you do you want it." And uh, I think a couple weeks went by, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, well, you know, we're a small label, and blah blah blah." I'm like, "I'm I'm in." John's one of my biggest heroes, and. You know, I'd, I'd love to be to have this be a part of um, your catalog. And then that's when there was a lot of time in between the communications. Um, unbeknownst to me, John was going through some health issues and Jody was busy having his third kid. Um, so there's a there's a lot going on. And now that, you know, I know what I know. Oh boy, it's just a very, it's a very small ship. There's, there's not but four people working there and, uh, their, their, their main priority is, is to take care of John and, um, you know, I had no idea, uh, how, how, um, you know, how it worked at all. So I feel a little foolish for being as antsy as I was, but yeah, I was, I was kind of biting at my fingernails for months, not knowing what was going on whatsoever. Um, and I guess it took coming to going to Nashville and, and meeting Jody personally. Uh, and how I met him is, is I, I, I went to go catch my friend's set in Apache uh, at Grimey's record store. And I go there and I missed the entire set. But uh, Clay told me, he's like, hey, well, there's, you know, it's free beer over there. So get yourself a beer. Okay. I go in the record store and get in line for the free beer. I bump into this guy and it's Jody. No idea. I never met him before. He just says, hey, Trey. And I look down like, hey, Jody. And from there, you know, things 
went <laughs> a lot faster. I don't know. You, you can't really um, predict what's going to happen or really expect, have any expectations. Um, there's a certain point where you just have to continue doing what you're doing and um, being yourself. And things may or may not happen around that, you know. So that's the mode I was in at that point in Nashville. And um, and things came together as they uh, like they did. Are you working on, uh, you know, Untitled Album Number 2? I am, yeah. It's, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm, you know, I caught it from the rise. It's been out for almost three years now. No, no. November 2018, two years. So, yeah, I'm, exci- I'm excited to have some new music out there, man. Play some new songs. Um, I got it all. I got it all. It's all writ. Just working on the recording aspect now, how I want to go go about it, finding the right yeah. producer, which is scary. I'm not, I don't, I produce all my stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I'm going to need a producer on this one. It's kind of a, I guess, a bigger sound. Uh, but I'm excited, yeah. What's the bigger sound? What do you mean? Well, I definitely want a full band on songs, mm-hmm. which I don't think exists uh on the internet or in my catalog songs with a band you know real you i think is the closest that that i've gotten to that but even still that's just me and my producer he plays the drums and bass and so he he did he he did some overdubs just a two-man band there um but this new record I, i i definitely hear uh a lot of parts, you know, horns and fiddle and piano and slide. Um, yeah. And, you know, some keys, organ, you know, have fun. That sounds excellent. So tell me about your P.O. box. Uh, have you found anything interesting yet? I guess for people out there, you know, listening and watching, uh, explain the P.O. box itself. And then maybe if you could share some specific uh you know, things that have happened so far with that. So I got off social media. I'm not on it anymore for my mental health. You know, I'm tired of hearing about this gaslighting uh, tyrant in office. It's just too much. Um, I don't feel like I have really too much agency over what I get to think when I'm using a smartphone. So I, I got, I got, um, I have one of these now. This is my phone. Do you remember these? Yeah. Yeah. Does it come with Snake yeah. already installed? It does. An updated yeah. bird. It's great. It's 3D. I beat it twice. Um, so I got off of social media and set up a P.O. box. Yeah. Yeah. People people sent me this. Uh, they sent me letters and photographs, and there's a like a homemade light ornament someone sent me. Uh, maybe I'll show you. Yeah, let's see it. What you got? You see that? Oh, wait, where is it? There we go. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Kind of like a handmade, uh, yeah, that looks very nice. Very nice. And, you know, at a certain hour, the light hits it in such a way, and there's little r- rainbow uh, circles all around the room. It's cool. 
In your spare time, it looks like you uh, ride bikes quite a bit. How did you get into biking and, you know, what kind of bike do you have and what is it about biking that appeals to you? I'm not a, a biker, you know, I just, I don't really know much about it. Yeah. Um, I just like riding it, the, the, the feeling of not being in a car, you know, it's so impersonal being in a car, all you do is uh, put, you know, press your foot and you, you can travel the world. And right. with not spending any any energy, it's pretty impersonal. Uh, with a bike, I really, really like, uh, you know, you could go off of the route. You could go through alleyways or sidewalks or people's backyards. Um, and it's more personal in the sense that you're using your energy to get from one place to another. So you think about how you want to use it a little more. It's more engaging. Um and uh yeah i'm I'm learning about fixing it too i i, I had a problem with with the with the with the brakes and it's cool to you know it's a, it's a problem that you can see uh i enjoy learning more about um the mechanical side of it too bikes yeah. man yeah everybody get one yeah i love it i i i commuted to work um, and just around the city here in Memphis. And, you know, Memphis might not be the most friendly, uh, bike-friendly place in the world, but um, it's it's grown a lot, and there are a lot of new bike lanes. Uh, you know, kudos to those who have made that happen ar- around here. It's very cool. Um, but, yeah, I love it for all the same reasons you just described, and that really resonates with me, and I'm sure a lot of people out there um, for those same reasons. And I think we're desperate for that kind of stuff in this day and age uh, with technology and any kind of way that we can get – a little more, you know, dirt under our fingernails or real experiences, you know what I mean? Like, um, I think we go for that. I mean, not everybody, obviously, but I think um, we share that, and I think there are a lot of other people that do as well. Um, And it's fascinating. I think those same elements come through in your music and what you've described about, like, you know, like the rawness of it and um, the production style, you know, for folks who have listened to the record, there's so many more questions I could uh, ask you about, you know, your life. I feel like you're a, you know, a mysterious person and I would definitely like to talk with you again. But, you know, we got to call it a day here, I think, and kind of, you know, let people digest what we've talked about and and examine it for what it is. So I appreciate your time, Trey, and thanks for talking with us here today. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me in my room. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Trey Bird. Be sure to listen to other Diddy TV podcasts for more from the leaders and legends in the Americana and Roots music scene. And don't forget to visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content and to download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.